At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Brian Scott Rippey coming up in just a little bit. And guest Jarkel Joyner. Ole Miss basketball guard on the Modern Women phone line. But before we get to it, Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Mosquito Marshals. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, I don't care what you say as long as you leave a five-star review. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions coming to you on the Modern Woodman phone line is Jarkel Joyner, Ole Miss basketball guard. There's somebody to talk to in quarantine. There's somebody interesting. Because outside of actually talking to people, Rippy and I don't have much other than complaining. Hey, buddy. Does Jarko have any bubble ideas? Didn't really get to that with him. I didn't figure so. I uh, I imagine the uh, the uh, powers that be in Ole Miss Media Relations wouldn't have uh, been too happy if we had just plastered off uh, one of their players' idea for a bubble um, you know, off the cuff on a podcast. So. Yeah, probably. Yeah, not. that's yeah. pretty much about all we got. College football is still alive, though, albeit barely, but it very well could have died uh, 
this week. I mean, with it's only Wednesday, which is kind of crazy, but very well could have died in the last 48 hours, and the Big 12 seems like kept it alive. So what all conferences are moving forward? Now, the SEC, I think, while it's paying lip service to we're going to keep moving forward, that it's still very much teetering on the brink. But I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of momentum, and I think a lot of uh, stubbornness by the SEC and all involved with the SEC to play a season. Full steam ahead. Let's get a season in. Who knows if they can actually do it and pull it off. But what all conferences do we know for sure are right now moving forward? Outside of the Power Five, I'm not sure. I can give you the Sun Belt and I believe the AAC and Conference USA, I believe, is meeting today. But obviously the Power Five, you have the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC are moving forward. And you're starting to see the regionalization of college football kind of even more manifests itself because these group of five conferences like the MAC, which is closely linked to the Big Ten, not playing. The Mountain West, which is closely linked to the uh, Pac-12, not playing. Yet the AAC, which is kind of Big 12-ish, a little bit of SEC, playing. Sunbelt, definitely close to the SEC playing. Conference USA, I believe, saw leaning towards playing, but meeting today. So like the re- regionalization and how like both academic and athletic people really just think in this country based on reason, I based on region is kind of showing. The NCAA is an absolute joke, man. It's a joke. Had there been any uniformity in decision makings from the power five level on down, you wouldn't have this fractured power five nonsense that we're seeing right now. These conferences should be working together and they're not. And I'll tell you this, if the SEC and the other conferences that are going full speed ahead actually get a season in, how bad is it going to look for the Pac-12, for the Big Ten? Very bad. I mean, like that. there was a quote from a source Ross Dellinger had last night, uh, as in Tuesday night, our... Uh, basically outlining like how they're trying to play and how the Big 12 saves the season. But one SEC source, if I'm not mistaken, said, you know, basically there's a world where you could look back at this in the Pac-12 and the Big 10 look at themselves in mid-October and go, well, why did we do that? Why didn't we play it? So there's almost an element of spitefulness to it. I think there's a safe way to do this, uh, whether that's accomplished, whether it gets finished or not. Um, is another question, but yeah, I think they're going to give this a try. I mean, the, the, these apparently some of these leaders envision a world where it kind of just looks like it. But to your point, the uh, the whole like Pac-12, Big Ten thing, what does that look like? Can dudes transfer? No. Uh, do you just or, financially though you're crippled? Oh, you're devastated. But transferring, that's not going to happen. These kids are tied to those schools, and I've gotten that question before already, off of this show and pretty much everywhere I go. Hey, look, the Pac-12 kids, can we go poach anybody, speaking of Ole Miss? No. They're not going to let those kids leave. Of course not. When has the NCAA in this entire process done anything proactively? Why do you think that that would be anything but messy? Because you had that whole blip on the radar where everyone that wanted a immediate eligibility was getting it. I mean, Tathan Martell, Justin Fields, like – I think they cater to big name guys sometimes. So you think of Justin Fields as like I don't want. I mean, I want to transfer to somewhere that plays this fall. You don't think they might be inclined to uh, get him on the field? Absolutely not. Know why? Because it's always been selective with the NCAA. How it best interests the NCAA. 
They pick favorites. We know that. They always have. But they're going to protect themselves because if they allow those kids to transfer and stuff, you know what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are going to say? We're getting out of here. Why would we stay in the NCAA? Why would we do this? We're going to do our own thing. And that leads to the SEC saying, look, we're the big bully on campus. Screw all of y'all. We're going to lead the way. The SEC's already leading the way. Greg Sankey is the voice of college football right now. As scary as that might sound to some people, that's the truth. Greg Sankey is the unifying voice right now in college football because the NCAA has completely vacated any type of leadership role in this entire ordeal. Mark Emmert is a disaster. We always knew that. We always knew he was an absolute joke. But now it's been completely laid out in front of us that Mark Emmert is an absolute joke. He's a clown. And I'm going to tell you this too, man. Once all these schools and all these conferences realize how bad or accept how bad the NCAA has fumbled all this stuff, and then they consider all of those NCAA investigations, not just Ole Miss, not just Ole Miss, all those NCAA investigations that had predetermined outcomes that you were guilty until proven innocent. Not innocent until proven guilty. You were guilty until proven innocent. The NCAA is giving them every reason to get out. Do I think it's next year? Eh, probably not. I think it's within the next five years. The NCAA understands that it's not just playing defense anymore. It's playing hold on for dear life right now. So that's why I think, no, they wouldn't allow those kids to transfer. Why would they? Because that means that you're absolutely well, losing the Pac-12 and Big Ten. You're not going to allow yourself to do that. Yeah, I guess that's true. But if you do, I mean, if they if you do allow them to transfer, and like the Ohio State says, or who, the Big Ten or whoever says, screw it, like we're leaving the NCAA, wouldn't all those kids be able to transfer anyway because they're not no longer under? I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. I kind of put my brain in a pretzel. But it seems yeah. like a lose-lose situation, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. But I agree. I think that we all know where this is headed. I think the Power Five, particularly we're just seeing how, like, I, I've seen pe- like tweets from people that I follow that aren't really in the sports realm, like whether they're news reporters or just celebrities or whatever, uh, basically kind of chastising this debate about football because there's bigger issues at hand, but then simultaneously realizing how much money football brings into all these schools. And a lot of these schools, particularly like the non non-academics, I should say, you know, the Stanford's, the Northwestern's of the world, like those, these people that maybe don't follow college football very closely are quickly realizing that a lot of these schools are now, at least from some people's viewpoint, a football program with the school attached to it and not the reverse. A hundred percent, man. That is so done, what, but sealed. That, yeah, and so that's why, like, that, that underscoring that and bringing that to light to even the average Joe just makes this, not that they have any real power, but that just makes this breakaway from the NCAA seem all the more inevitable, does it not? No doubt in my mind. This is what happens when there's absolutely no leadership whatsoever from what's supposed to be the governing body, the NCAA. Mark Emmert's a clown. How in the world are you not at least getting into the room with every single major represent- representative of all the major conferences. How are you not doing that? How are you not trying to lay out a uniform plan 
for all your member institutions. How are you not doing that? Because the NCAA, a, it, the NCAA wants to play like the principal. They want to be the principal, the law and order governing body. But when it comes time to really lead, to really lead, to step up, own the shit, and go, they tuck their tails between their legs and they go cower in a corner. This is absolutely a dereliction of duty. It's embarrassing. And if I were a Power 5 AD, if I were a Power 5 president, if I were a commissioner of a Power 5 um, conference, I would be losing it. For me, this would be the straw that broke the camel's back, even though for me, that came a long, long time ago. But now, everybody can see it for what it is. Where is the NCAA? We always knew it was a sham, but now it's so friggin' obvious. Because when it came time in a generational pandemic for them to step up and do what they're supposed to do, what basically every single conference has agreed the NCAA is to do, they all agreed to this. They agreed. It's a voluntary thing. They volunteered to be a part of the NCAA. They willfully put themselves into the NCAA governance and basically said, in effect, govern us when the shit hits the fan. And what happened? Said shit, hit said fan, and they're nowhere. Nowhere to be found. Yeah, and we talk about this. That's an interesting point you bring up about why is Mark Hemmert not doing X or Y. In theory, though, you mentioned the Power Five, but he also has to serve the interest for all the member institutions, which is a lot more schools than the Power Five, right? And so when you talk about the whole college football needs a commissioner argument, doesn't the Power Five really need a commissioner? Because what are the odds that college football commissioner right now, a guy that was in charge of getting college football on the same page, what are the odds he would he would actually be able to get every conference that has NCAA member institutions, every FBS conference on the same page? I'm going to say slim to none. So maybe the time for college football to get a commissioner Really, like that whole take that's kind of been run through the car wash of sports radio and podcasts and all that is really the Power Five needs one once it breaks away. Because I just think, like, I, I, the more and more I thought about it, and I used to be on the other side of the boat, is like, yeah, college football needs a commissioner. They need someone taking all the questions, directing the plans, taking the heat. But you have 120 some odd schools with 120 some odd ADs, 120 some odd presidents scattered all across different parts of the country, the odds of getting all of those people on the same page via one commissioner seem slim, but you know all everyone focuses on is the Power Five. So with the Power Five, once it breaks away from the NCAA, need a commissioner? I would say yes. I'm just not sure how much good one would do right this second. Is Greg Sankey not the commissioner right now? Yeah, basically, but I, like that's not on his business card. But that's what it is. That's what it is. And here's yeah, the sure, thing. But that's, we're that, seeing that the death. underscores the problem. We're seeing the death of the FCS. It sucks. But we're seeing the death of it. This is happening in real time. We're seeing the death of all these small programs. We all knew that one day the cream was going to rise to the top and everybody underneath it was going to be left by the wayside. Unless... There was true leadership out in front to form some type of uniformity moving forward, a plan. 
and the NCAA failed. They didn't provide that. And it sucks, but that's what it is. The SEC, I think, is going to play games. I don't know why. Maybe that's just blind optimism. But the SEC is going to play games. I've said that I think, and, and I think anybody that's listening to this podcast can back me up on this. You too. I have said pretty consistently, I think, regardless of when they say they're supposed to start, that they're going to start in October. Maybe they only play six games. I don't know if they finish it. Maybe they just decide to cut it to six games. It's not necessarily about having championships. It's not necessarily about having any type of postseason. It's about getting some games in. And at the end of those games, you maybe do some type of ranking system, award some rings, some bullshit like that. Maybe. I've said the S word too much already, but I'm sorry. I'm kind of worked up. Point being, I think the SEC is going to get some games in. And if the SEC gets some games in, those conferences that have stuck with the SEC, they're going to get some games in too. And then they're going to be the big voices at the table. When the Pac-12 walks in, when the Big Ten walks in, once the Power Five decides we don't need the NCAA, they're a joke. They did nothing to help us here. When they walk in, they're going to go out to sit in the corner with the dunce hats on. Because these conferences, regardless of what you think politically about this stuff, which I don't want to get into at all, I don't want to get into it. Let's just look at what the SEC is doing. I think they're pushing forward, and they're going to give them games. They're going to accept the consequences. And everybody talks about, well, okay, why not just have a bubble? They're already in a bubble. Barrett Salee brought this up. We've talked about this on this podcast before. But Barrett Salee brought it up, and he, I thought he pretty much put good words to it. These kids are already in a bubble. They're practicing right now in the practice facilities. They're getting fed together. They're sleeping together. Yeah, some of them go out there and they do some dumb stuff. They're kids. But look at the Cleveland Indians. Mike Clevenger, ace pitcher. He broke protocol. Had to apologize to his teammates. He's got a quarantine. That kind of stuff. Same thing will happen with college football. They're already in the bubble. Kids aren't going to be on campus. Yeah, they'll say, yeah, we're going to have some in-person instruction. They might. Most of it's going to be online. They can be pretty strict, say this is what we're going to do. And if they do play in this bubble, even though they don't call it a bubble, they're not going to call it a bubble ever. Because if you call it a bubble, then you got to start talking about paying players. I don't want to get into that conversation again because we've rehashed that way too many times. But they're already in a bubble. They're already there. And the SEC is going to test and test and test. The SEC, I think, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong here. Because I might be. I feel like the SEC right now is asserting its dominance for the future of college football. I would agree with that. And the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, uh, like one of those things is like they're not they're not the same thing. Because can't, have you been sensing this with just what Pac-12 football has devolved into in the last half decade in particular? I mean, since that Washington team, right, that got smoked by Alabama – like they've pretty much been a non-factor in the playoffs. And, dude, tell me, I don't know how much college football you watch outside of Ole Miss, but, like, does Pac-12 games look different to you than the rest of the, like, college football now? Like, to me, there's a distinct difference in the type of games played amongst all the leagues, but the Pac-12 just kind of looks different. And they don't care enough. They, You know, there's a lot of bigger markets and bigger cities uh, there. They don't really need college football. It's nowhere near as important to that region of the country. I just feel like you've seen this with the Pac-12 like kind of coming for four or five years now. 
and the Big Ten's decision was actually more surprising to me. I thought the Pac-12 would be the one to to kind of peter out first. But you can you could have kind of seen like the groundwork for all this late in the last half decade in terms of who's invested and who's been relevant and who hasn't. Can you not? We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Here's my question, though. Okay, so Nebraska, Scott Frost. He's made a pretty big stink about this, about wanting to play games, right? And actually, the schools do have agency to be able to do what they want to do. If Nebraska wants to play and it can make it happen, go play. Doesn't have to necessarily stick around to the conference. So here's my deal. If schools do get to a place that are in a couple of these uh, conferences that decide we're not going to play, they decide we're going to play and we're going to figure it out and we're going to go play an independent schedule with Whoever else we can put on our schedule. Six games, eight games, doesn't matter. This is what we're going to do. What stands in the way of programs like that basically realigning themselves with the SEC, with those conferences that kept going? I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent that these conferences are moving forward. That's not the discussion. The bottom line is they're moving forward, and I think they're going to get games in. So those schools in those conferences that canceled their fall seasons – If they want to play and they get to get games in, 
They're not going back to those conferences. So at the end of this, what comes out of the end of this is the potential for a realignment unlike anything we've ever seen. No matter what happens, bottom line is this. The one thing you need to take away from our entire discussion here. College football as we knew it is done. It's over. It's dead. A lot of stuff is happening. Too much stuff to go back to the way it was. And it's not just about the players and having a seat at the table in a union. It's not just about the NCAA forfeiting all leadership when all of the conferences needed it the most. It's not about necessarily Greg Sankey being the most recognizable, loudest voice in the room. Teams could leave conferences. Realignment could happen. Conferences could be shuttered down. So much could come out of this, dude. And that's what, to me, is by far the most fascinating story in this entire deal. It's not whether or not these schools get games, whether Ole Miss plays LSU. That's not the question. That's not the fascinating thing. The fascinating thing is this. Y'all are all thinking about 2020. I'm thinking about 2021 to 31. Because this time next year, what we knew of college football, it ain't going to look like that. There's no way. We're too far down the rabbit hole now. So what you're saying is there's a chance that Ole Miss's game with USC in 2060 or whatever the hell they scheduled it for doesn't no, no. chance it doesn't happen or looks no, different. No. But no, I agree. But what I think this ends up turning out to be, you talk about college football being done as we know it. Like, I, I agree with you, but in the sense of like the end result, doesn't it just feel like the power five breaks away? And because of this year, the, uh, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are just at a little bit of a financial disadvantage. So, like, now you kind of have the Power Five. In terms of major FBS football, you kind of have the Power Five, and then the Group of Five are a little bit of the bottom feeders in terms of talent, television contracts, seat at the table for the playoff. Is there a chance that, like, that becomes even more fragmented where you have this own major division of college football with, quote-unquote, the Power Five, but the bottom feeders of that? are the Pac-12 and some of the Big Ten schools just because they started off at a disadvantage? Yeah. If that makes sense? Yeah. Yes. Because, I mean, you can already see the seeds of it, right? The Pac-12 outside of, you know, USC and Oregon, you know, kind of just a bunch of, eh, they kind of care, kind of have success, not really. And it's kind of the same thing with the Big Ten outside of Michigan, Ohio State, you know, I guess Michigan State you can throw in there recently. They have more programs that are more invested in the Pac-12. Don't get me like that, but Rutgers – Maryland, that kind of stuff. You can already see it, kind of. Oh, you can see it. Easily see it. And here's the because, thing. I've because said this SEC's bottom feeders are still all in in oh, terms yeah. of caring and trying to win. They're yeah. paying out the wazoo. They're playing the recruiting game. Like The SEC's bottom feeders are a different breed than the rest of the conferences. Yes. Not counting Vanderbilt. They, they, should, they should hit the road. But that, that aside. No, you want them for baseball, even though it's a non-revenue generating sport. But... Here's what I've been saying, and I think it needs to be hammered home forever. When the SEC plays an all-conference schedule, the ratings that are going to come out of that, let alone being one of the only conferences playing games, is without question going to keep the SEC at the very front of the table, at the head of the table, and... They're not going to want to go back. Why would they want to appease USC when you can cut down on costs, you can get far bigger piece of the pie, 
revenue through the roof. Your television money is going to be absolutely insane because you're only playing SEC games. You're only playing SEC games. You don't have to pay for a school. You don't have to pay a million dollars for a cupcake to come in so you can beat the crap out of it. And yeah, as a fan, you'll probably be disappointed you lose two games every year. But who cares? Who cares? Who cares? It'll be better for the kids. That's part of the thing they might want. They might want fewer games. I mean, is 10 all that big All that big a difference from 12? No. And I'm telling you, the SEC, this schedule has the potential to be what the SEC schedule is moving forward because of the money that's going to be generated by this. How much money is going to be coming in? They're not going to want to go back. And because Greg Sankey, God love him, because I've been critical of him, very critical of him, but God love him, he's been the most rational voice in all this. He's basically saying, why are we making these decisions now? There is no reason to make these decisions now. You can keep kicking the can down the road. Yes, of course, he said, we got to know something by July. Well, that's thinking that they're going to start the season on time. We all knew they weren't going to do that. Then finally said, we're going to do an all-conference schedule. Well, now you bought yourself more time. And here's the thing. If it's 10 or if it's 6, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're just trying to get some games in, to get some money in. But once those ratings come in and you're playing prime time, because look, think about it. All the major networks, ESPN, CBS, they've got their pick of games. How many of those SEC games are getting all the prime time slots? Think about it. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss State. No, I'm kidding. But you get what I'm saying? They want all those Not games. Not to mention the matchups you don't normally get. Like there's going to be some marquee match. I mean, who did who did Florida add? I forget. It was they got screwed on on their two SEC add-ons. But at the point being, that's two marquee matchups with West teams. I believe they added Alabama, and I can't remember who else. I'll tell you, but you get my point. Like you're seeing matchups you wouldn't already see. Yes, and all those networks are going to want those games. Doesn't matter, but it'll show. It'll show, and we all know this. We all know this. Let's just admit it. It doesn't matter if you're a Michigan fan or not. It doesn't matter if you're an Ohio State fan or not. It don't matter. The SEC is what people tune in for. It's what they tune in for. They always draw the highest ratings. And now you can tell all of these networks we're going to give you only SEC games all the time. The SEC network is going to blow up. It's going to absolutely blow up. This is a game changer, man. It's a game changer. And because the NCAA has allowed it to happen, the NCAA completely gave up. Didn't even try, really. Mark Emerson. Oh, my God, man. I swear, I feel like he's not a real person. He was manufactured in a lab. That's what he feels like. It's as if all of those empty suits that we all hate but they make all the big decisions because they luck their way into these spots. And they get paid millions and millions of dollars off of free labor. It's like they constructed the most generic robot possible. No personality. No, ab- no ability to think freely. And he's proving to be exactly that. <laughs> he's just a dorky robot that has no feelings. Has no understanding of sport. He doesn't know what his sport's about, man. Yeah, that's a great point. If I ever run into Emmert in person, which I haven't, so I have no reason not to believe your theory, 
I just splash some water on him, see if there's a short yeah. circuit or something. <laughs> I'm saying, try to unplug him. But you talk about the SEC network. It's also being assisted by the fact, like in addition to all this potentially happening, it's also being assisted by the fact there's only one other network when you can get regularly. Do you yep. know how to access the Pac-12 network? Because nope. I sure as hell don't. Do you on, on cable? On cable. Do you know how on your cable package to access the ACC network? No, nope. I don't. I can only get on 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 watch ESPN and ESPN Plus that I pay for. Big Ten network I can get, but I don't think that's the case everywhere. All these other ones. You talk about these incompetent commissioners. Larry Scott, he couldn't have screwed up the TV deal worse if he had just said, actually, we'll call it a TV deal, but we really just want radio channels. That's the only way he could have screwed that up worse. Like, I, I, the, It's unbelievable, the incompetence. So Sankey almost looks stronger and better in this by default. Yeah. Yeah. All the other ones remind me of Major League Baseball's blackout restrictions that are just holding their sport back from a completely new generation of fans and players. It's like they don't care about their sport. It's like they don't even like the sport that they're supposed to market. It's like wrestling, too. I don't ever talk about wrestling anymore in this podcast, but it's a good example of this. The WWE puts forth an absolutely awful product. It's as if they hate what they do. They hate the product that they have. Rather than give you something that makes you want to tune in. Same thing with Major League Baseball. It's like they don't want you to see Mike Trout. Same thing with these other conferences. The SEC got it. They understood it. Put all of your member institutions out in front of everybody. And guess what? A Kentucky comes out of nowhere, wins seven, eight games. People latch onto that. And guess what? They're going to tune in to watch it. They're going to tune in to see if Kentucky can beat Georgia. Vanderbilt usually always sucks. But when Vanderbilt is taking the Texas A&M to the wire, people tune into that. The SEC got it right. And the SEC said, you know what? We're going to go pair ourselves with the biggest sport, regardless of what you think about ESPN. But it is the biggest platform. It's not the same as it used to be. The content's not nearly as good, not nearly as innovative or interesting. I don't watch First Take. I don't care about those debate shows. It's awful. But the SEC understood that this is the biggest platform. Let's make a deal. ESPN was starved for programming. And what did they do? They went and paired themselves with the SEC. And now, look, that's what's kept them pretty much afloat. Think about it. Think about it. You tune into ESPN for live sporting events. Okay, in college football, what draws the most eyeballs? Live sporting events. The SEC. And that's why, if you're the Big Ten, if you're the Pac-12, you better pray every single night. Be on your damn knees praying. That the SEC doesn't get its games in. I'm not saying I want one thing or the other. I'm just simply saying if you're one of those two conferences, you better pray. And all of us, we're going to hope they get their games in. And then that, when that happens, if that happens, you're screwed. Because the SEC just took the head of the table and it ain't ever going to give it back. And Greg Sankey is, a ba- is basically going to be able to take Mark Emmert on a leash and for a walk. Agree, and just that this year in a vacuum, like if you are the only show in town, basically, and you are getting to play these games, it's a good year because your perennial bottom feeders, like Kentucky, like Stoops probably has his best team that he's ever had there. Ole Miss and State aren't necessarily supposed to be any good, but they have 
fascinating head coaches that people are going to tune into. And then Missouri and Arkansas, who usually stink, at least have new coaches and new blood there. So it's even an ideal year from a match. Like if there, I feel like if there were ever a year to go conference-only games, this is about as good as you get in terms of Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach in year one, Kentucky being good, Tennessee on the up and up. Like it, it, the, All the pieces are kind of coming together. Take it a step forward. How starved, absolutely starved, are fans for football? Look at the numbers for the first baseball game. <laughs> and I love baseball. And the Braves have been hit by injury after injury. Hadn't played particularly well. Yeah, they got a winning record, but I'm tuning in every night because I love the Braves. I love sports. I love baseball. Football is a completely different animal. And here's the thing, too. The SEC understands this. Maybe some other conferences, too, but the SEC does. If you don't play some games, you're going to have to give up some concessions to players. Just accept it. Because if you don't play some games, the NFL is going to put some of its games in those primetime slots on Saturdays, and they ain't giving them up. I mean, that's the – I mean, the- Honestly, as many problems as people have with the NFL, the NFL is the one that the one league that's been. Now, granted, it's not apples to apples. Baseball had to start a season. The NBA had to figure out how to finish theirs. But in terms of the football front, the NFL has just kind of like really haven't made much noise. They really haven't talked about how they nope. have plans in place. They've just kind of cruised along. And at the end of the day, now it's shaping up to look like where they're just going to be bigger and better than ever because there's already less college football. And if there's none at all, like you said, they're just going to move some games to Saturday and more people are going to watch them. And it's including me and it's going to be awesome. And they're going to get bigger and more of everyone's money. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Got to come back after this interview with Jarkel Joyner to talk about one little brief note, a bit of news, actually, on this Wednesday. But we got to go to Jarkel. Ole Miss guard coming to us on the Modern Woodman phone line. Let's hear first from Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. 
This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Jarkel Joyner, Ole Miss guard, finally eligible to play. You don't have to sit on the bench anymore. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm good, man. How does it feel to finally know that the work you're putting in now is hopefully, assuming that COVID goes right, going to lead to you playing in games in the fall? Man, first off, man, I want to I want to thank God for putting me in this situation and blessing me with this coaching staff. Um, these coaches are amazing. They they are great with personal development, player development. It's, it's great, man. I can't wait to get on the floor. What if practices? I know y'all can't do the full on practices, but the in person instruction that y'all have been getting. What's that been like for y'all? How's it going? I mean, it's going great. Um, Coach Davis and like I said, the staff are doing great. Their development. Um, we're just going at it every day. Just a a lot of skill work um, and stuff like that. Just a lot of shots. We just we, we lifting weights. It's, it's going great. So, what has been your impression so far of those new guys like Romello and Robert Allen? I know Demencio is not on campus yet, but of those new guys that you have gotten to share the court with, what have you thought about them? Those guys are great. Romello, Matt, and Rob. They are all three hardworking guys. And like um, I hear all the time about Demencio, he's hardworking guy, tough guy, and they 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 great. They fit in like great so that's good all right so with Romello there's a track record already of coming in and producing at the division one level does he have a different confidence about him and and what's it been like with you and Devontae leading the team pretty much at the guard position have you developed a chemistry yet oh man one thing I learned about Romello he's um he's really smart um he coming he came in um he he learned in the system and stuff but other than that Romello has been he's been catching on quick and just going through things easily picking up on stuff. So Romello's going to be really good. He's going to produce really fast, too. You and I have talked before, and I know how hungry you are to get on the court, but now that it is real for you, what's that feeling like, knowing that, again, not only are you going to be playing games, assuming everything goes okay and you do get a season in, but that you're going to be relied on heavily. This is what you've been working for, man. Oxford kid, you got to be excited. I'm, I'm very excited, man. Like I said, Personally, thank God, um, blessing me in this situation, man. I'm I'm ready, man. I've been I've been putting in a lot of work, and I'm I'm just ready. What have been the things that Coach Davis and the staff have tried to get you to work on in particular? That's something that they they wanted you to kind of focus on playing off the ball. I'm speaking of, and that's something you and I've talked about before too. What has gone into that? How do you get better off the ball? What has been the work that you've done? Um, we do a lot of um, reading screens, reading uh, pin downs, and just um, keep my eye off the ball when I'm when I am off the ball, just read my defenders, read secondary defenders, when to make the right passes, and it's been going great. I've been learning a lot from these coaches. Do you feel a little bit of pressure knowing that not only is Bree gone and you're stepping in to effectively, you and Devontae, make up for the lost production, but also because you're a local kid and you wanted to play at Ole Miss and you're finally playing at Ole Miss, do you feel a little bit of pressure? Um, To be honest, um, no, sir. Uh, I've been – I've been playing basketball all my life. So, man, it's, I love the game. It's, 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 it's fun to me. And I don't feel like it's pressure. Uh, I've, been playing, I've been playing in Oxford all my life in front of all these, in front of all my local fans. And it's been, it's been fun, man. I, I, just, I just don't feel any pressure because I put, I put too much work in. It's a really interesting story, and I don't think a lot of people listening have heard it before. But when you decided to leave Cal State Bakersfield – Ole Miss was the only call you made. What went into that process? Because I know Kermit's spoken about how when he sat down, I think, with you and your dad in a one-on-one meeting to decide whether or not 
he was going to take you on that y'all blew him away. What all was that like? What was that process like for you? Um, when I, when I, um, when me and my dad stepped into Coach Davis' office, um, we already knew. Me and my dad already knew that I wanted to come here if, if Coach Davis was, wanted me. And we talked, and my dad got up and said a couple words. And I looked at my dad, I was like, Dad, let's do it. And Coach Davis um, blessed me with, to be able to give me the opportunity to come here. So, man, it was 100%. I was all, I was all in. What did you say in that meeting? Um, that that I, um that I was grateful and that I always wanted to play in front of in front of my hometown, in front of my family and my friends, and because I'm I'm working my butt off every day for you, I was just gonna give 100 percent every day. Back when you were recruited, there was a lot of local pressure for the previous staff to take you, and you didn't get the offers that you wanted, not just Ole Miss, but other offers too. Um, to go out to California. Was there disappointment there? And also, did you kind of feel a little homesick out there out on the West Coast? Um, disappointed? Yes, I was. But um, it, just added, it just added more fuel to my fire. Um, when I first got to Cali, yes, yes, sir, I was, I was a little homesick. But I just stayed in the gym every single day. So the, the gym was my, my second home, home away from home. So I just stayed in the gym every day. Um, the coach and staff out there, Coach Barnes was great. Um, Coach Khan, Coach um, Mike Scott, Coach Taylor, they, they all did good, man. It was just God gave me another opportunity, so I had to, had to jump on ship. Yeah, Coach Barnes is obviously an Ole Miss guy. He's out there in California now. What did you learn about yourself on the West Coast? What did you learn at Cal State Bakersfield about not only yourself personally, but the game as well and improving to get to this point? I didn't know Coach, Coach Barnes brought a, a defensive side out of me that I didn't know I had. So I, um, I got better at guarding on the ball, learning um, how to play a lot of defense. So that, that was that was one thing I learned. Assuming that fans get to be in the stands, how many people are going to be wearing Jarkel Joiner jerseys? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know. To be um, I just hope my hope my uh, my family be there. My dad, um, my mom, my stepmom. Just hope they they all in there. My grandma all in there. So I don't know. <laughs> you gotta kind of like shave a Oxford Charger bolt in the side of your head or something. <laughs> uh, I, I was considering that idea. Yeah, I mean you got to kind of bring it full circle, man, because <laughs> it's what you've been working for. So for you, as far as the role you're going to play, nothing's guaranteed. Kermit's got the point system. I understand that, but do you feel that you need to take on a leadership role? Um, it's, to be honest, it's whatever um the team needs me. It, um, as being a leader, um, being a, a helper, a friend, a friend to talk to, it's just anything, whatever, on the court or off the court, whatever they need from me, I, I'll be there. So what's it been like in practice going one-on-one with Devontae, with Matthew Morrell? I mean, there's a lot of talent in this roster, man, and y'all are competitive dudes, so I would assume y'all are going pretty hard at each other. Um, most definitely, man. Um, me and Devontae, man, we like we, we grew closer, man. We, we're going closer as brothers. Matt coming in, it's, it's been fun, man. Them guys are very talented, very hardworking, and it's fun going at each other every day. Um, one day somebody's going to get the best of them. One day I'm going to get the best of somebody else. It's just, it just, um, it just works full circle. Even Luis, man, he, he's, been, he's grown a lot from his injury. And Austin, they all just grown, man. I can see the growth in everybody. Before the year last year, I remember I came to a practice, and I was talking to some people around practice, 
And there was, at the time, some doubt as to whether or not Devontae was going to come back for his senior year. But one person said to me specifically, don't be surprised when he comes back because one of the main reasons why he wants to come back, he wanted to play with you. Um, most definitely. Uh, when I first got here, um, I figured out, and Tay and Devontae figured out that our games complement each other, and we love playing. And we love playing with each other. Um, it's fun when we both out there. We both love defending. We both love just making, just playing basketball together. And um, we talked about it, and I, I told him, man, whatever your decision is, I'm behind you, man. If you come back and and play. Just know I'm gonna be with you, man. We're gonna we're gonna do this thing. What about his game complements yours? Uh, we both we both defend. He loves passing. Um, he's just Devontae, really crafty, athletic, um, and I'm, I'm just I'm just like that. We both we both kind of play alike, kind of. It's and we coexist with each other. Like he'll take turns going the ball. I can take turns going the ball. Uh, we just help each other a lot on the court. How brutal was it then? to not be able to contribute last year, which was a struggle, to not be able to help out. How tough was that? Um, it was, you know, I was, I was, me being a competitor, I was, I was itching to get on the floor. Um, so I just tried to make it game-like in practice. I would try to go hard every day in practice, um, just, just go at them every day. And, but just sitting out on, on, on the bench, behind the bench, and just, just wanted to be out there. It was, yeah, it was, I, w- I wanted to be out there. I was itching. So, do you see an NCAA tournament team in practice right now? Um, I feel like yes, sir. I do. I do. We just um, now we got a long way to go, but I do. I do. I do see an NCAA team in practice. Is there anybody on your team that you can't dunk on? <laughs> um, I think I can dunk on everybody. On yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just say it. Yeah, just say it. You can dunk on yeah, anybody. I've seen you do it. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got some high flyers, though. It'll be hard, but I think I can catch somebody slipping. Is it more fun for you <laughs> to hit a dagger three, to shut somebody down that thinks they're that, all that <laughs> defensively, or to go up and just poke all over somebody? I think um, all three. I mean, I feel like if you shut somebody down and you can score on them, that just make it just that just make it even more fun, and then you just dunk on somebody. That that's that's fun too. I don't know all three, man. I don't know. That's a hard that's a hard decision. Is there one posterizing dunk that when people say, "Okay, Jarkel, what's your most <laughs> memorable dunk?" that you always go back to? It could be high school. It could be middle school. Is there one dunk that you always talk about? <laughs> um, it's it's two two of them. One dunk when I was a um, at Amanda Esley. Um, Terry Williams, one of my backcourt mates, he threw a lob and somebody jumped. And it was the other one at Punatop when I when Drew Bianco, the baseball player at LSU, he threw it. Oh, kind of ugly. I don't know. What and I dunked it with one hand. That that was crazy. I didn't think I was gonna dunk that. Oh, Drew Bianco, there's a name for you right there. The idea of Drew Bianco and Jarkel Joyner <laughs> throwing an alley oop up is just that's great. That's perfect. That's so good. Um. <laughs> As far as this team's hunger and the expectations and stuff like that, do you think that last year's team maybe bought into the expectations a little too much? And how do you avoid that if that was actually the case? Um, just, just realizing, man, it's, it's basketball, man. You've been playing all your life. 
you just go out there and have fun, man. You just can't put too much pressure on yourself. Like, if you put in the work in to trust yourself, your um, confidence in your game, and just buying into what the coach is telling us, and, it's, and going out and executing game plan. So you can't put too much pressure on yourself because you don't want to explode. So I've heard that Matthew Morell's a dog. He is. He is. Man, I love Matthew, man. He's a great dude. Um, he can really shoot it. He's a dog. He's a high flyer, man. He's athletic. Um, he picks up. He pick up on things well. What coach is saying, and he's going. He's going to be real special here. I feel like. It seems like the depth is what's going to be the strength of this team. Is that kind of what you see too? Um. Yes, sir. Most definitely. Um. We got everybody at every position. Um. We're going to be really. We're going to be really deep this year. Really deep. Before I let you go, I hate to keep going back to it, but for the people out there, because there's going to be a lot of local people listening to this podcast in particular, because it's Jarkel, local superstar for these people. So for your Oxford people, <laughs> what do you tell them just about being back home, playing for the hometown school? What do you say to the Oxford faithful that are just excited to see you finally don an Ole Miss jersey? Because you had a lot of support back during your recruitment, and to now finally get to that place. Um, what do you tell them? First, I would like to tell them thank you for always believing in me. For um, They watched me grow since I was in middle school for under Coach Bell and playing for um, for Coach Tyler, Drew Tyler, man. I, I feel like he's the best coach in Mississippi in high school. And, um, man, just thank you for um, always believing in me, for um, putting a battery in my back. And I can't wait to play in front of you guys. And I'm, I'm ready to show you what, um, what hard work is all about. Did you ever play football? <laughs> I did. I did play football when I was little. Why'd you stop? You look like a wide receiver. You got hops for days. <laughs> I don't know. I fell in love with the game, man. I, I fell in love with basketball. It was Basketball is, is fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah, and also you can kind of control your own <laughs> destiny and go up and dunk all over somebody if you want to. See, I will never experience that sensation. <laughs> I'll never know what that's like, Jarkel. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I know you're excited to get started. Best of luck, and we'll do it again. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. That was Ole Miss basketball guard Jarkel Joyner. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey coming back in just a second. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, 
The only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. That was Ole Miss guard Jarkel Joyner on the Modern Woodman phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Brian Scott Rippey. All right, so some news. Canadian defensive back transfer, Dean Leonard, who chose Ole Miss over LSU last month, will soon be cleared to join the team, according to the Ole Miss spirit. Leonard is from University of Calgary, grad transfer, eligible to play immediately. There's some news. I hear it could come, quote, any day now. DeAndre Prince, if I, my understanding, is not with the team, correct? Yes. That helps. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's good news. Feels like so long since we've actually talked, like, football and personnel. But, yeah, that'll help. I mean, they've got a bunch of younger dudes that got to play last year. Should be a little bit better. The secondary should be one of the strengths of the team in 2021 if all things stay intact and they continue to recruit okay there. So, yeah, that that helps. Uh, if they could get the, the – is is what's um, names escaping me? Canadian defensive lineman, all Canada team here. Uh, yeah, defensive end. He's eligible too, correct? I'm pretty sure he's, if not already eligible, on the path to eligibility. Should be getting eligible as Tavius Robinson. They got to generate some pass rush. And losing Charles Wiley, that's killer, man. Especially when you look back at losing Sam Williams. And I don't want to get into the Sam Williams deal. There's no update there. Okay, for everybody asking me sending me inbox messages and stuff. There's no update there. How do you update that? All you need to know is Sam Williams is not a member of the Ole Miss football team as of today. That's it. But Tavius Robinson with Charles Wiley and T. Tisdale and Ryder Anderson, you could see a path. I don't know if I see a path. But what I do see is a secondary that could be pretty damn salty. And the linebackers, they're going to be good. Maybe you got a linebacker or two that could step down and do what C.J. Johnson did, and that's rush the passer on third down. I just want to see him play some games. I do not want to see any player, though, sign some type of liability waiver like they did in the Northwoods League. Okay, so here's a good example. Tim Elko goes out to the Northwoods League in the Summer League to play for Fond du Lac. Each one of those kids had to sign a liability waiver should those kids get COVID. No football player should do that. If you want to play, you play, but the schools are putting you at risk. You need to protect yourself there. You can opt out. I'm all about personal freedom. But you can't be one of those people that argue for personal freedom and for the kids to make a choice and for the kids to play and then tell them, allow these schools to be free of any liability. That's not how that works. You're asking a whole hell of a lot. You're asking for everything from them. You're asking them to not only play and entertain you in the middle of a generational pandemic, but you're also asking them to say, yeah, we want you to play, we want you to sacrifice, and also, hey, don't sue us if if, uh, you get COVID. Really? No rational human being, no parent, would tell their kid to do that. Assume every bit of the risk? See, that's the thing. The conferences in the schools, they choose for their teams to play. The kids that don't opt out, they choose to play. Okay, so you're accepting risk. If you're one of those people that say there's risk in life, go for it. Okay, they're doing that, but your school's doing it too. 
It's risking that. It's saying, okay, we understand what the, uh, what the dangers are. We get it. No kid should ever have to sign a liability waiver. It can't be one or the other. If the kid's got to accept risk and play, the school saying we're going to play, you've got to accept that risk too, that you could get sued if something goes wrong. And that will also keep you on your toes and make sure that you're taking care of these kids and testing them and doing everything you got to do to make sure that they get to the finish line, right? But that's that was my point that I was going to add to that. Wouldn't it de- – like if they signed away the waiver, so I think I agree with you on that, wouldn't it kind of de-incentivize them adhering to strict safety protocols if they're not on the hook for anything? Yeah, to where it's basically putting off the uh, front that they're doing all the testing that they need to do. We tested them on Wednesday and Sunday. That's what they're doing now. We tested him on Wednesday and Sunday. He didn't come back positive. I don't know what happened. He signed a liability waiver. We'll take care of you. We wish you well. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. No. That ain't going to cut it. You can't tell the kids, life comes with risks. Comes with risks. It comes with making choices. But don't sue our school. Don't sue our school because our schools decide that they want to play. It's the same thing as signing an LOI. You're signing away freedom. I can't remember what the linebacker's name was. It's the dude from Georgia, plays for the Bears. He didn't sign an LOI. He signed financial grant and aid papers because he didn't want to relinquish anything to the schools. It's the same thing. You're getting the same benefits. Yeah, and I don't think this is going to happen because I'm pretty sure the NCAA pretty much said, hey, that's a no-go. Did they not? I don't care if they did it. Nothing the NCAA says matters, though. Nothing matters. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. I just don't see that happening. I I, I don't. You're right. I just don't see it getting to the point where they ask them to sign that. I just – maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think it is. But, yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, you shouldn't – certainly should not do that. Particularly – like, so I made this example the other day. Like when I was like in like ninth or tenth grade, and we had to take like a whitewater rafting trip, and you signed a waiver that basically was like, "Hey, if you fall out and like you know split your head open on a rock or whatever, and you know don't make it out of the vaunted Nantahala River, uh, please don't sue. It's not our fault." Like I was like, "Yeah, whatever. I'll just sign whatever." Didn't read it, but that's different like, though. Isn't that different though? No, no, no. I'm I'm almost. I, I guess my point being is not like, hey, like. Like it's, I'm not arguing in favor of it. I'm just arguing. I'm just saying, hey, when I was 16, 17, which is only a couple of years younger than what most of these guys are, I was like, I don't care what this says. I want to uh, sign my name and hop in the water. Yeah, like right, I just don't. Right. They, they don't have like the. I don't want to say mental capacity because that sounds insulting to all 18 year olds, but I just don't think they would understand the full breadth of what they're signing away. Because I know I sure as hell wouldn't at 18 years old. No shot. Yeah. I would just sign where they told me to sign so I could go play football. You signed because you wanted to get in the water. You signed that to protect the business. What's the word Pretty much. that doesn't work there? Business. College football is not supposed to be a business. But I've seen some national guys come out and say, sign a liability waiver. Oh, so you want to acknowledge now that college football is a big business. Oh, no, 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 no. They want to say that life's about risk when arguing for the players and for games, and then try to protect the schools. At least be ideologically consistent. If you want football, I'm with you. I got to have football. I'm desperate for football. Desperate for it. 
not just for my job, obviously, but because I love the game. Let it happen, but then don't turn around and say, oh, they can't sue the school. They're selfish. They're selfish. Love of the game, love of the game. Rippy went whitewater rafting. He signed the waiver to protect the business. Are you willing to then make them sign a waiver, but sacrificing and understanding and accepting them that college football is a business? No, you're not. You know you're not. And if you argue any different, it's disingenuous. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk again. Sounds good. See you.